Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott Show coming at you on a Monday, the last week of May. Happy birthday to my dad. He's not listening right now. He's somewhere. He listens a lot. He's not listening right now, but happy birthday, dad. Big 7-0. 70. Big weekend in sports. How's everybody doing? I don't know where this this cool weather came from this morning, wherever the heck it is. I just hope it stays for a little while. Because it's been really, really hot. Kind of like the Warriors. Unlike the Mavs who are cold. It was a Mavs kind of morning, but in a good way for us. We're going to dig into the NBA playoffs. Justin Thomas winning the PGA Championship in a playoff was left for dead. Handling business, he looked good. That was a great ending to the PGA Championship. And uh, a little diamond sports. LSU, after getting handled by Ole Miss, just comes out and is incredible against Vandy. Huh? UL has a great weekend, senior weekend. They win the series. They're ready for the Sunbelt Conference Championship. They'll be playing Wednesday, scheduled for a 4 o'clock start time. It's the third game of the day. We'll see. Louisiana and South Alabama, the 4-5 matchup. It's a heck of a way to get started in the conference tournament. We're going to talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 8.15 this morning. The team has practiced this morning at 9, and then they're heading to Montgomery. They're getting ready. And on the other end of it, Ragey Cajun softball made it to their 14th consecutive regional final and came up short. Yesterday, their season came to an end at the Clemson Regional, losing to Clemson. But uh, the Cajuns, after following in the first game against Auburn on Thursday and Friday, fought back. Coach Jerry Glasgow, who wasn't with the team on Friday, arrived on Saturday. He had been dealing with COVID. Travel was cleared. And, um, boy, Extra innings, walk-off win against UNC Wilmington in 11 innings. Then a just gritty performance against Auburn to advance to the championship, but ran out of juice and ran into a really good team. But we will visit with Coach Jerry Glasgow, who is traveling back from Clemson right now. We'll talk to him in about 10 minutes. We got a lot in the show for you today. But how about the... How about the finish over the PGA Championship? I was rooting for Pereira. Mito Pereira, the the Chilean 27-year-old who led all day Sunday. He either led or tied all day heading into the 18th hole. Now, the reason I necessarily, I wasn't necessarily rooting for him to win the whole thing. If he had, it would have been fine. What I was rooting for, I wanted a, a three-man playoff. A three-man, three-hole playoff? Sign me up. 
But Mito Pereira, whew, he's got friends. He's got family there. They're all in Oklahoma cheering him on. Here we go. Let's do it. His first appearance in the event, which, by the way, shout out PGA Championship moving up the date of it. Uh, it, it. It hit. It was good. I like it in May. But the guy's in the lead all day. One fell, it was one roll short of breathing room birdie at the 17th. And you're like, all right, here we go. You talk about crumbling in a big moment. I don't know what happened on that swing. I have no idea. That was like me trying to swing a golf club on the 18th. And suddenly the festive environment around him and the nice story, he hits the water and it is done. Done. Oh, well, yeah, you know, he still finished third. Phil finished, won 800000 Yeah, well, he lost $1.3 million. <laughs> You win a whole lot if you win the PGA Championship. But that 18-hole meltdown, tough to watch. And then Justin Thomas, who rallied from seven strokes down to begin the day, climbed out of the hole, gets into the playoff with Will Zalatoris, a.k.a. Happy Gilmore's caddy at the, be- caddy at the beginning of Happy Gilmore. And wins the whole thing. But that was, I mean, you remember Phil Mickelson at winged foot back in 06? That errant shot, he leads to double bogey. He misses the playoff by a shot at the U.S. Open. I mean, Pereira had a one-shot lead over Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. He steps up to the tee, and that swing was awkward. You make a mistake like that early on, okay. You make a mistake like that on the 18th hole, the PGA Championship, when you're in first place by a stroke, those are the ones everyone remembers. He said, I wasn't even thinking about the water. I just wanted to put it in play, and I aimed too far right, and I hit the water. Yeah. I mean, he's from Chile. I guess you're always, you don't think about water. It's always just there. It's just second nature. You're always near it. I mean, Scotty Scheffler, remember talking to Ted Scott about him? A couple weeks ago, his Lafayette native, Ted Scott, the caddy for Scotty Scheffler, I was like, man, that guy... I mean, no matter how hard Jim Nance was trying to get him to cry after he won the Masters, Scheffler just wasn't doing it. He's like, oh, he was crying a lot. Not then, just that morning he was dealing with the stress of it. Scheffler's like, look, the final round of the Masters, how am I going to handle this moment? Now, Scheffler was number one in the world. Won, you know, three times the previous two months. I mean, he was rolling. Pereira was not on anyone's list. He wasn't ranked first. He was ranked 100th heading into it. But that opened the door for Justin Thomas, who is no longer Mr. Allwell. He only got one. He wins his second PGA championship, the Watermaker Trophy. That's That's a good one. I mean, nobody was thinking Justin Thomas at all on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Nobody. He had five bogeys on Saturday. Five. 
He's seven strokes back of Pereira. I mean, he ain't even close to second place heading into Sunday. And then he bogeys a par three sixth hole. Again, you're not thinking about Justin Thomas. And then from that point on, Justin Thomas, Justin, credible. Guy plays the last dozen holes, five under par, and it was awesome. Golf was fun yesterday. You know, the NBA playoffs were not. I, I, I'll be honest with you. The playoffs, it was fun, obviously, when the Pelicans were playing the Suns. It was a fun series. The Pelicans were in the mix, followed it closely. And there have been some other close games, some fun games here or there. But, guys, there have been so many blowouts. There have been so many, oh, well, this team's missing this key player. There have been more double-digit games than single-digit games in this postseason. More lopsided victories than close finishes. Golden State has basically put a fork in Dallas. Dallas is done. They were outmatched heading into the series. Andrew Wiggins had a violent poster dunk on Luka that for some absurd, ridiculous reason was called an offensive foul. It was anything but. I gave Wiggins some some grief here and there. That was an incredible dunk. But that series has been that series has been trash to watch. Unless you're a Warriors fan. It just hadn't been good at all. And then Heat Celtics, you know, they, they it was there was a moment there when Jimmy Butler was out, his knee was giving him trouble, and Boston cut it to one, and then Max Strauss was like, No, nah, I'm just gonna hit this three. But it never it, it, it was the way that game was, the injuries, the guys, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum out for a little while back in, Jimmy Butler missing time. It, it, and it was on a Saturday night. It was just, eh, eh. We have not had a single game in the conference finals that was just no team is led by more than eight. All it's back and forth. They're leaving it all out there. Just hadn't happened. It's basically what team hit their threes today and what team didn't. That's that's what this postseason has been for the most part. Certainly in the, in the, the conference finals. Now it looks like. Golden State is going to sweep Dallas, and it looks like we'll have a probably seven-game series between Miami and Boston. I just hope that on the way to seven, we have some really, really close finishes. Because so far in the conference finals, the NBA playoffs have been... Wait, what? No, I think I'm just going to go watch some Grace and Frankie. I don't... Do I need to watch this? What? ESPN Lafayette. Louisiana. Softball. Turned to Raina O'Neill when they needed a big hit. She got it done. There, there, were, there, were, some, there were some big moments over the weekend. Taylor Roman walking it off. Megan Schwarman battling. There were some big moments for this team, this young team, who got to another regional final but couldn't get over the hump with Clemson. Coach Glasgow, I can only imagine what it's been like for him who has dealt with 
COVID, coaching away from the team as they prepared for the regional, reaching the team on Saturday, being part of the 18 innings it took to win the two games to get to the conference, uh, to get to the regional final. He is traveling back from Clemson right now. And as he's done every Monday throughout this season, he's joining me next. Don't go anywhere. Louisiana softball coach Jerry Glasgow joins us on the Gray Scott Show. Right after this, this is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. into the great scott show on a monday morning this is espn lafayette the best ticket in sports happy birthday to my dad he's 70 today he's also a season ticket holder for rage of cajun softball their season uh ended yesterday they finished the year 47 and 13 in the regional final against clemson and here to chat with us he uh i'm sure he is exhausted for a number of reasons Head coach Jerry Glasgow, who got in um, in the middle of the night, uh, kind enough to wake up early and join us this morning. Coach, I appreciate you waking up, man. I'm I'm sure you're tired, but good morning and uh, and how are you feeling aside from aside from the um, uh, exhaustion. You know, when the season ends, it's always kind of like a bittersweet feeling. You know, it's hard to believe the season's already over, and uh, there's always some sadness goes with the. You know, when a career ends like Rainer O'Neill or Lisa May, you may hate to see kids play the last game on your field. It's just, it's just tough to watch. And a lot of emotions. And then, you know, I'm really proud of the freshmen and, and relieved in some ways, you know, that the kids did as good as we thought they would do. So a lot of emotions with the end of any season. You know, Coach, I, I want to focus on your team in the weekend, but – um briefly if you don't mind just how difficult was it for you dealing with the the COVID diagnosis at that moment in time you know I know I've dealt with it I know a lot of listeners have dealt with it but for you to get that you know whenever you guys are are playing well in the conference tournament I'm sure there's some thoughts through your mind because you want to be with the team not that you can't help from afar but what were some of the challenges that came with it and, and how difficult was it to eventually get to the team? The hardest part was just missing practice. You know, you miss. Uh, I realized Sunday morning, when I woke up Sunday morning, I couldn't talk and was really congested. And so we had the crawfish boil on selection Sunday, and there was just no way I was, you know, able to get anywhere out. And then, um, so I went and took the test and found out I had it. And And then, so I didn't see my team again. I didn't see the girls from Saturday uh, until Saturday, from Saturday to Saturday. Um, that, that's the toughest part, just, you know, the biggest week of the year, and, and you can't practice with them, and you can't help them prepare. And um, that, Dismissing those practices, that was really, that was always my favorite. That's your favorite time of the year, you know, the conference tournament and the and then the, the NCAA regional 
that's that's the biggest moments of the, of the season, and you know, we missed a big chunk of it. And then you feel it's just it's just bad. It's not it's something you don't want to have in that way. And then um, you know the the game on Friday against Auburn. I mean, a hard fought battle, right? Back and forth. Uh, Auburn wins four to three, and uh, a couple of lead changes in the first inning. But whenever you know you being as competitive as you are. When you have to travel, and I guess, were you able to hear the game? I'm not sure what your traveling arrangements were, but how difficult is it? You mentioned being away from practice. What about during a game whenever you can't be there? Uh, you know, I watch it on, I watch it on ESPN Plus just like everybody else. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, just, it's hard to watch and frustrating. But anyway, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I thought the kids played really well. I thought they competed well. They could have won that game very easily. Uh, they were right there in the game. And so <laughs> there's just a lot of it. It's just, you know, NC regionals are stressful no matter what. Every year they're just stressful. Um, but the, the things that we saw out of some young kids and the way they stepped up, uh, I thought Matt, Maddie Hayden was phenomenal uh, in in moments this year. I thought Kayla Falterman had some phenomenal moments. Stormy Kotsnick had some phenomenal moments. Um, I really did some great things. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to be really excited about what we saw over the weekend. Jerry Glasgow, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, on Saturday the uh, the hard fought battle against UNC Wilmington it, it it took a while I mean that team was giving it their all as were you guys to 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 play a game where you know look it's we're gonna have to win two today when it gets to eleven innings um, you know as many hits as you guys had and is there a moment there where you're like man is this is this thing ever gonna end or are you just so locked into the moment because knowing it could. It obviously was a great ending, and um, and it, it was awesome to walk it off. But when you get into an extra innings game, when you know, okay, we got to win this one to stay alive, but we also got to win the next one. Do you manage any different than if you're in an extra inning game and and it's not you know the season on the line where you have another game next? There's a lot more urgency because I kept saying like. You know, we we can win the battle here, but we're losing a war when you're. You know, I made that comment several times during the during that game because I felt like, you know, I, I felt like we were going to win the game. I never thought that game was in doubt. Uh, they only had the one inning where they even put runners on base to threaten us, <laughs> but you knew that you're burning your pitching staff up when you've got to go four games there in two days, and so. Very, it was kind of a, a little bit of frustration with that. And it was, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember a game in in my five years here where we just we got hit and we got hit and we got hit and we got hit, but we never got timely hits and put the run across the board. Um, probably the closest game to that was the Georgia Mason game last year. Um, but the, the NC regional game last year, except that we didn't have that many hits. This we had hits and we had the bases loaded. We had all kinds of opportunity. We just could not put that last run that we needed across the board. And so that was some frustration to that. Megan Schwarman threw quite a bit this week in coach. And you and I have chatted about her throughout the season, looking back to what she did this weekend at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, compared to where she was early in the season when it was, 
look, when she when when she doesn't start the game and <clears throat> she comes in after it's gotten started, she's great. She's different. I mean, she's had quite a journey this season. Obviously, uh, folks are excited about what comes next for her after how she's performed over the last month. But could you speak to her? Uh, not just what she did the last two weekends, but her journey from the beginning of the season to now. Yeah, I thought Megan really um, pitched extremely well the last month, and and I thought that she grew in confidence and grew in stature, and her presence got bigger on the mound throughout the season. And I think you know her and Justin just did a great job. Uh, they 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 found ways to improve, and she found ways to you know uh, get more strikeouts, allow less hits. She just got better and better. She filled her position excellent, um, and she she was a warrior out there for us this weekend. She she gave us she gave us some really really quality innings, and she just pitched her heart out. And it finally, I think just. She's finally wore out, and uh, but her performance is one of those things that you'll always remember during, uh, you know, about the regional, and and gives us like tremendous hope for next year. You had so many newcomers this year, coach, and I know once you get, I guess, a certain amount into the season, as you would always tell me, look, they're not newcomers anymore, right? We've got to clean some things up, but. Where do you feel like you guys improved the most, one specific area, from the beginning of the season to the end? Uh, I thought the pitching got better. I thought the pitching started out the first weekend like red hot, and then and then it went through, you know, kind of like you you, you stay started so good that they then they they hit a little bump there and. And then kind of knocked them off their feet or lost their confidence, so to speak. And then, then from that point on, they just kept getting better throughout the year. And I thought they grew as a staff. So I thought the pitching was probably the most improved from uh, March first to the end of the season. Um, and defensively, you know, I look at a player like Stormy Kotsonek. You know, she didn't really become. Uh, a key component in our defense where you know, she's playing third base, she's playing first base, she's playing second base. Uh, I thought I thought her growth was really good. And then I thought that Alexa Langley is just really locked in at shortstop for a freshman. I thought she played shortstop defensively at an extremely high level this year. And and so, you know, in pitching and, and defense, I thought we saw significant improvement throughout that season you know a lot of newcomers a lot of young ladies will be back next season with a lot more experience but you mentioned a few that you know we started talking about how it's difficult whenever it's their final game Melissa Mayu uh Rayna O'Neill you mentioned those two what have they what have they meant to this team and and if you don't mind coach if you could just highlight them a little bit and what they've meant to the program well you know Melissa just Come in here three years ago, and her work habit is, is you know legendary among our players. But she just works. She she's always at the field. She's always hitting on her tee. She's she you know she may be out there on the field throwing a ball against the wall, working on her backhand, working on those little parts of the game. And 
to get a kid like that, and then you see a, a freshman like Lainey Crater come in and and just pick up and try to hang with her and try to emulate her and try to try to work as hard as Mayu works, <laughs> so it has a great effect on 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 a young kid like Lainey. And so that's the thing that I think I'll always remember about Melissa. I mean, obviously she's a, a immensely talented player where she can play catcher, she can play first, she can play second, she can play short, she can play any any outfield position. Uh, and then her passion for the game, she just loved the game. So I think those are the things that will, you know, kind of stick with me about Melissa. Um the other thing, um, both these kids, Raina and Melissa, they never had an issue academically. I'm not in in three years, neither one of them's ever. I've just never had a, you know, an email saying they fell in the class or they're in jeopardy. They always have good grades, and you never hear anything out of them academically. Uh, on the academic side, it's always took care of and professional. <laughs> and then on Raina O'Neill. What a beautiful athlete. Like, you know, she reminds me of Kim Griffey Jr. in baseball. Like, she plays the game with some, you know, just elegantly. Uh, you know, she runs so effortlessly. She runs, uh, she's fast and smooth and explosive. So, just her athleticism is really uh, something special. And then, and, and she, uh, in, enormously talented. Um, the way she, you know, she can hit the ball opposite field, you know, hit a home run at any moment, or she can beat out an infield single. Uh, she can make a catch in a gap with her speed. She just plays the game with so much, uh, so many tools and and then swagger. You know, just watch her walk home play. She looks always looks so confident. And then if you get, <laughs> once you get around, <laughs> excuse me, once you get around Raina, you know, she she's just a very calm, but very 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 poised, and very intelligent person. So always relaxing to be around Raina. Louisiana Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest coach. When you talk to a team after the final game of the season, um, obviously it's it's different than after any other game of the season. Does your message change year to year, or is there sort of a, a constant message you always come back to at the end of every season? Is it tailor-made for each team? What is – I'm not asking you to tell us anything, you know, super personal yeah. or intimate. But, you but, know, it's the hardest. Like, I, I, I just – you know, yesterday I, was, you know, I told the team, it's like the one meeting, the one team – the one team meeting no one ever wants to go to. You know, it's just awful to walk into a room and, you know, you've got kids that just played the last game of their career. And they're really not in a, it's not a great time and not a great position for kids like that to, you know, there's not a lot you can say right at that moment. The, the pain's too much and, you know, but basically all you can say on that last game is thank you. You know, thank you for the effort. Thank you for all the, Things you brought to our program, and 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 express your appreciation to them. But you don't want to be what you don't want to do is talk about you know next year and what we're going to do next year because it's not about the freshmen, sophomores, or juniors. It's about the seniors at that moment. So this is nice and really nice and short. Everybody wants to get home. Everybody wants to. We had to hustle. The, the kids are all went to Charlotte. Flew in on a plane from Charlotte. I jumped in at three. I actually got to my house before the kids got to their house. I wow. drove and 
um, we all, you know, we had a long day ahead of us. So, and we'll we'll meet here today and tomorrow. We'll do exit interviews, and you know, we're going to tell this Raina and Melissa one more time how much we appreciate them. But there's really no words for an athletes like that. you know, athletes like that that come in your program. There's just, there's not much you can verbally express what how much you appreciate it, but you know they know and. Uh, they they know how much the kids on the team and they know means uh, appreciating them and uh, it's just a hard time. I understand. Rage Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow, coach. Final thing, I, I know that you still have exit interviews and and there's some goodbyes to uh, to to do before you kind of tie a bow on this season. But a lot of folks are already thinking about the future and i understand why there's so much young talent on this team that grew so much throughout the year i know that your goal and the goal of the program every year is to get to the women's college world series and get to okc um what in your mind is the number one thing between now and next season that's going to help you guys take that step to to reach that goal that i know is is very high on your list uh, right now, the number one thing in my mind is the schedule. We have to. I want to get. I think the one thing that's glaringly obvious is we got to get a regional at home. And I think the days, you know, are numbered. It's going to get harder and harder for mid major to get a home regional. Uh, I st- but I still think we can do it. I think we can do it here. I think next year is the year we can do it. We're going to have a deep pitching staff in February of. If Lamb and and Shorman and Landry all come back, and I expect them to, uh, and I'm counting on them to, and then we've got a good freshman pitcher, uh, actually two good freshmen, a left-hander and a right-hander coming in. So my my thoughts right now is just let's we got to get this schedule. We we're supposed to be in Florida next year at ESPN. This took us a while to get into that tournament. That should give us four or five games in one weekend, and hopefully we can get. Uh, you know, a combination where we've been playing nine to ten of those top tier D one games. I'd like to see us get fifteen of those games in the in the preseason, and if we and, or in the preseason and during the during the season and midweek. I, I like what we did going over to Texas before the Texas Arlington trip. So next year, I would like to go to a Georgia Tech or Georgia. Or, or Clemson maybe on uh, on our trip out to Georgia State, uh, go out on Wednesday and play a game against a, a Power Five, maybe Auburn. Uh, before that weekend series, I think we got to explore different ways to get our schedule just a little bit, um, not tougher, but to include a few more of those top forty type programs. And then I like spring break trip. I thought the spring break trip was really hard. It was mentally a really hard trip. It was physically a really hard trip. But it was a very productive trip, and I think we saw a lot of growth out of our team this year. So I'd like to try something like that again this year, maybe out in the Iowa, Nebraska area. Um, but we've got to find who will play us. And, and so that's what we'll go to work on here the next three weeks, try to finalize that 2023 schedule. And I want it to – I want it to be such a tough schedule that if we can get on a on a roll and play well, we can get that regional at home. Because uh, I really believe next. I said before the regional started when I watched film of Clemson. You know, I, I told Coach Justin Lacey before the regional started. I said Clemson's where we can be a year from now. 
they they we ha- I thought we we could match them on talent, but we couldn't match them on experience. And I felt like we could beat Clemson, but I felt like Clemson was more mature and polished as a ball club than we were, you know, going into the regional. And you know, it gets me excited. I think you know we can be. That's what we can become over the next twelve months on our sophomore and junior year with these kids. Is we can get up in that level of that top put ten, top twelve program, and and try to get that regional side at home. So that's my number one priority and my number one focus now after season ends and as we go through these next couple of weeks. Louisiana head coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Coach, uh, I appreciate you joining me every Monday this season, especially this morning. I know it wasn't easy, but um, all the best. Good luck with all the scheduling. I know at some point this offseason you'll you'll get to do a little hunting and a few leisurely things. So uh, try to enjoy your offseason in the meantime. But uh, all the best to you and the family, and really appreciate the time, Coach. Uh, thank you, and I appreciate the coverage throughout the year and the interest in our program. And, and again, I always want to be sure our fans know, you know, man, we appreciate them, and uh, we appreciate the support they give us. We appreciate the interest in our program. And and just the the passion that they have for college softball and our program in college softball and where it fits in the world of college softball, very much appreciated and couldn't could not be successful without that fan base that's just been uh, you know just so important to us. So thank you to those guys again and our administration who gives us the opportunity to play softball, uh, you know, on a national scale. And, and do the things that we have to do to, to that allows us to be successful. So great, great support by our administration and the fan base, and it makes the education program exactly what it is. And it's a great, it's a great relationship all the way around between the fans, the administration, and the team. And it's, you know, uh, it's the reason I think uh, that the reason at the top of the list, you know, why UL softball has been able to be so successful for so many years. So. Um, Coach, again, I appreciate it, man. All the best, and we'll we'll talk to you in the future. Thank you. That is head coach Jerry Glasgow. I mean, the man had to travel by car after dealing with COVID. Clears, you know, he's it's cleared. He doesn't have it anymore. I'm sure he's exhausted. Drives all the way there, coaches the team, 18 innings to do two games Saturday, drive back yesterday after they lose, got back at 1.30 in the morning, has all kind of stuff he has to do and took the time to come in this morning and come on the show. And and, and it's not, look, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I think, yeah, I think Jerry and I get along fine. I think Jerry likes me. He's doing it for the fans, for the listeners. And I know they appreciate it. I certainly do. Um, and I'm glad I, I get to be the one to to interview him and have throughout the seasons. <clears throat> Excuse me. All the best to him. In the meantime, we'll talk to uh, Rage Occasion baseball coach Matt Deggs in about 35 minutes. He's scheduled to join me at 8.15 as the Cajuns get ready for the Sunbelt Conference baseball tournament over in Montgomery. Justin Thomas. Just incredible on Sunday. Holy cow. And you want to talk about meltdowns. Yeesh. There was a big one. We'll talk PGA Championship. The Mavericks down 3-0 in the conference finals. The Heat Celtics seems like a competitive series, but the games have been 
What gives? We'll dig into that. We'll open up phone lines as well. 337-269-1077. Great Scott Show continues after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Monday morning. Phone lines are open. 337-269-1077. Big thanks to Coach Glasgow for coming on. Shout out Tim Anderson for shushing the Yankees fans after his homer and the White Sox win. Is it just me, or have these conference finals been awful? They've been awful. I mean, as far as Golden State and Dallas goes, Dallas has had some moments here or there. And and there have been times in this postseason where you're like, yeah, they're Okay, they can be in the conference finals. Tyler, like, but you look at some of the games in the series against Phoenix, some of the games they lost, and it was like lopsided, wrong end of it, beaten down bad. Luka is a superstar, and the supporting cast has been good at times. But they're absolutely no match for the Golden State Warriors. When the Warriors are at full strength... What are you going to do? The lo- Oh, what if the Warriors blow a 3-0 lead? They're not, it ain't happening. Not to that team. Steph Curry scores 31. Andrew Wiggins eviscerated Luka Doncic at the rim with a dunk that was as violent as I can remember. I mean, even Doncic was like, yeah, I was, I was impressed. And for some reason, they call it an offensive foul, which makes zero sense at all. Golden State right now is minus 135 to win the championship, which feels kind of low after yesterday. But the series itself, snooze fest. And then on the other end of it, in the East, I, I do, I think you have a series that's going seven games. And when you say that, man, Seven games? 
Really? Should be a great series. And maybe we get a great game tonight. Maybe tonight, and you can hear the Eastern Conference Finals Game 4 right here on ESPN Lafayette, Miami versus Boston. Maybe tonight we'll have one of those games where it is, man, no team is led by more than eight. No team is led by more than, it's been single digits the whole way. It's back and forth, game of swings. But really what you've had is three lopsided games with the exception of a few moments on Saturday night and a bunch of star key players being injured and missing large chunks of games or at times the entire game. It's just been... It's been boring. Now, the entire postseason hasn't been boring, and maybe we get a great finals. In the Boston-Milwaukee series, they had a couple of bad games, but for the most part, it was it was fun. Right? It was fun. But there have been, in this entire postseason, more double-digit games than single-digit games. And you might say, oh, well, that can happen, right? Early round, there's some... You know, there are a lot of games. You're talking about seeds, high seeds, low seeds. Typically, that evens out by the time you get to a conference finals. It just, it's been, I look, I was into it when the Pelicans were in this against the Suns. It was a fun series. The Pels being there, being on house money, it was competitive. It went six games. There was some animosity. There was some bleep Jay Crowder shirts and chants. There was Jose and Chris Paul. There was... There was a lot of notable things, and it was early on, and there were a ton of other games. And so the other aspect of it is when you get to this point in the postseason, if the game isn't entertaining, if it just becomes, well, this team hit their threes tonight and this team did it, therefore it really wasn't that close. It's not like you have another game to go check out. You know, in the NFL, as as much buildup as there is to the postseason, if you don't have any close games in the postseason, if you don't have that very many, it is a, a, it is a bore. Great thing about an NFL Sunday is you have so many games to choose from, and so, you know, oh, this one's lousy. Now, if you don't have access to all the games and you happen to get that afternoon Sunday time slot and it's a lousy game, and then you have a Sunday night game and it's a lousy game, and suddenly it's like, yeah, and other than fantasy and gambling reasons, you really... Are you not entertained? So you get to the conference finals, and yeah, it's one game each night, although I think tomorrow night this, the, the Warriors-Mavs series will end. I don't see Dallas you know, eking an extra one out like Memphis managed to do when they blew out Golden State in a single game. I think the Warriors are probably like, no, nah, we don't want to do that again. We just thing is, if the Warriors win tomorrow, they get to hang out for a week before they start playing longer. It has been disappointing. No, I haven't watched any hockey playoffs. I'm not a hockey guy. I didn't grow up in the cold. I didn't grow up playing hockey. I'm not saying I don't respect it. I'm not saying there's not a small part of me that was like, maybe I should check out Edmonton, Calgary, and then just just to see if I could find something somewhat competitive, and then it really wasn't close. I've been watching a little Major League Baseball, though. Speaking of baseball, the Raging Cajuns 
celebrated senior day, honored a number of graduates as well on Saturday. They had uh, a couple, you know, they, they lost Thursday where they couldn't get anything going offensively. And last year, Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Year, who's with Little Rock, was pitching like that. But Thursday and Friday, the Cajuns just had a couple of big, big innings. And that was all she wrote. And on Saturday, Jeff Wilson, Austin Perrin, a couple of seniors pitching seven and two-thirds. Austin Garrett getting in there, getting a hit. Jonathan Brandon, Connor Kemple as well. A number of seniors playing a big key role in the series clinching win over Little Rock. Louisiana won eight Sunbelt series this season. And now they head into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament as the four seed, taking on South Alabama in the first game this Wednesday. This is it. Double elimination. And you got to win the tourney, I think, to get into the postseason. Now you have some good chances to really improve your RPI depending on how far you go and who you play. But you want to get in, you're going to need to just go ahead and win. That's what you're going to have to do. ULM, Georgia State, App State, and Little Rock will play in some single elimination games tomorrow at Riverwalk Stadium. And then Wednesday, you got Troy and Coastal. You got Georgia Southern playing in the second game. You got Louisiana and South Alabama. And then you got Texas State. It's TBD. Texas State and Georgia Southern, the one and two seed. Just They're playing the winners of the two single elimination games. But is there a benefit to knowing who you are going to play going into it from a scouting standpoint? We're going to ask Coach Deggs that and and much, much more. Much, much more. If the Cajuns win Wednesday, then they would be scheduled to play Thursday evening in the later game. If they lose, they would be playing in an uh, elimination game at 1230 on Thursday. They're hoping that they're playing on Sunday at 1. That's the goal. We'll talk to Coach Matt Deggs next hour at 8.15. Justin Thomas, just incredible, left for dead. Heck, one ESPN writer wrote on Saturday night about how Justin Thomas just can never get it done. He always falls in the big moments. Well, he probably should have waited until Sunday to hit publish. Talk PGA Championship as well. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. To the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Raging Cajun baseball coach Matt Degg scheduled to join me in 15 minutes. The team will be leaving later today for Montgomery. 
getting ready for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They'll take on South Alabama Wednesday and see how far they can get. Try to take the whole thing. Win the tournament in advance, and if not, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Never say never, but it's going to be really, really tough. It's really, really tough to win a major when you're seven strokes down entering Sunday. Justin Thomas is no longer the one-hit wonder. Justin Thomas is no longer Tommy Two-Tone. Nah, he's got more than 8675309. He's got another PGA championship. And the reality is majors are golf's tiers of validation. You can win a whole bunch of tour events every week, and it's cool. Colin Montgomery, speaking of Montgomery. Make me an angel. You don't win the majors? You're not looked at the same. You win one? Cool. But if it goes a long time before you win another, suddenly it's, oh, well, it's just a one-hit wonder. You get in the circle when you win a major, but to move up in that inner circle, you got to win more than one. Now, look, the PGA Championship over the years has had a number of one-hit wonders. Anybody remember Jimmy Walker? Keegan Bradley? Jason Duffner, anybody? Y.E. Yang? Jason Day? I mean, heck, that's just in the last, what, 12, 13, 14 years? 15 years? Nothing other than that. Well, Thomas was in that that part of the circle, and now he's moved out of it. Now he's in the next tier of the inner circle. It was one of the most remarkable comebacks I've ever seen. Now, I admittedly do not watch a ton of golf. I don't watch the weekly events. I watch majors. I'm a cash. I'm a casual fan. And I would trade winning a single major for anything else if I was in golf because, <clears throat> heck, if you're a major, if you have a major under your you're, 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 you're in that circle. But once you're in, don't you want to get a little farther in? Right? You know, it's like when a team gets into the playoffs, don't you want them to advance? Don't you want them to keep going a little bit further? If you're a competitor and you're a professional and these guys are, you want you want to be the best. Winning one's better than winning zero, but winning two's better than winning one. Yes, I know. That was like an old John Madden quote somewhere, probably. Stating the obvious. But when you consider it's been a while. For Justin Thomas, it's it's he had a drought going, he had a drought going, and then it looked like over the weekend it was going to happen again. And then he gets into the playoff and he beats Will Zalatoris, and but you know once once the euphoria wears off, he'll start thinking about number three. But it was an absolutely remarkable comeback. 
I mean, the guy on Saturday had tons of bogeys. He even bogeyed, double bogeyed the sixth hole yesterday. Now, on the other side of it, you got the 27-year-old rookie from Chile, Mito Pereira, who, oof, eesh. I mean, the guy said he wasn't thinking about the water, but the water, maybe the water was thinking about him. It was Nick Anderson, Orlando Magic, missing four straight free throws in an NBA Finals game. Nick Anderson, who had a very good career, is beloved in Orlando Magic lore. That fan base will always remember him. And many of you probably, you know, maybe if you're of a certain age, you you remember Nick Anderson. He was good. He was on those fun Shaq teams. And you just might remember him as the guy that was, you know, on NBA Jam with Penny or Scott Skiles because Shaq was on the original NBA Jam at the arcade, the ones that started coming out on the consoles. No. But Nick Anderson was on it. Nick Anderson missing those free throws because the pressure was there. And the pressure was there for Mito Pereira. He had a one-stroke lead. He's 27. He's got family and friends there in Oklahoma as people are drinking their $18 Michelob Ultras. And all he's got to do, you know what, just just par here. You're good. And his at some point during that swing, it was like, did it was there an exorcism? Did he have like a miniature little like stroke? Like what happened? He, he, he in the middle of the swing, it was almost like he just remember Charles Barkley, that old swinger. He'd kind of start and stop and then follow through, and it was the ugliest swing ever. I mean, what happened? The 18th green at Southern Hills, and all of the families there, and they're ready to just cheer really loud. Suddenly, they're all just quiet. And sad. The opposite of Justin Thomas. He's on the way up. Mito, who had the lead, was either leading or tied the entire day up until the 18th hole meltdown. And there is a part of it that, to me, will always, it's always going to be difficult to watch. Always. Melting down on the 18th hole at a major, that'll follow you if you don't win a couple of majors, or at least one. And maybe he'll go on and he'll win a major or he'll win another one and everyone will be like, hey, man, remember when that happened, when you overcame that? Or maybe you'll just turn into the guy that was 28-3. to The guy that's probably done really well, he's only 27, got a lot of great golf in front of him, probably went some weekly tours. But, oh, yeah, that Pereira, Mito Pereira, yeah, he's the guy that, ah, yeah, PGA Championship, nice kid. Yeah, I remember that. Poor guy. Justin Thomas rallies from seven strokes down. And listen, I was I was rooting like crazy for Mito on the 18th because I wanted a three-man, three-hole playoff, a PGA championship. You're going to give me I, – I, I'm all for a playoff. Now you're going to give me three guys in it? Please, that would be incredible. I mean, I haven't seen it, – it's been a long time since somebody struggled that much on the 18th final hole – who is that cat that tried to hit one out of the water that time? I don't even remember his name.
Phil Mickelson in 2006 at winged foot. Aaron T-shot, double bogey, missed the playoff by a shot at the U.S. Open. That one came to mind. Like on Saturday, he goes up to that hole. He hits a 300-yard drive into the fairway, then an approach from, what, twenty, you know, 214 yards to 27 feet, hold the putt for a birdie, gets nine under par, has a three-shot lead heading into Sunday. I mean, he dominated it. One day later, he steps up to it, and it's Nick Anderson at the free throw line. Just the the crucial mistake at the crucial time. There's certain there's certain guys you just you don't forget, and they they have really standout careers. But unfortunately, you just think about. Their failures in the big moment, Scott Norwood. Now, Scott Norwood the next year had still been on the Bills and hit a game-winning field goal. Maybe it'd be a little different. But that's not what happened. It didn't happen. And Norwood has talked about how there's certain aspects of that missed kick that has ruined his life. Now, I, I, I am admittedly being maybe too melodramatic about what happened to Mito Pereira. But I'm telling you guys... For a golfer in the golf world, that real measure of validation is measured in majors. And when you get into the major, you're in the circle. And then when you're in the circle, there are other uh, accessible tiers, depending on how many more you win. But you got to win. And he had a golden opportunity there to win his first at 27 years old and couldn't get it done. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. When that's what's on the mind of Raging Cajun baseball right now as they head to Montgomery today for the Sunbelt Tournament Championship. We're going to visit with the head coach, Matt Deggs, right after this. It's the great Scott Show on a Monday on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Monday. As promised, joining us now as he has throughout the season, the head coach of the Louisiana Region Cajun baseball team, Coach Matt Deggs. Good morning, Coach. Happy Monday, man. How you feeling? Hey, Scotty. I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. You guys uh, practice this morning, and then you head off on the on the trip. Is is the is the bus ride to Montgomery for a conference championship a little? little different than others or is it are all bus rides kind of the same in your mind i know that might sound like a i think you know what i mean by asking that question right what's the mindset when you no, get on the bus a, today? no it's a good time it's the best time of year you know you don't have school and uh the the team is set and it is what it is and these guys are tight and uh you know you're getting to go play for the opportunity to keep playing and so there's a lot of excitement and and uh you know, a lot of guys ready to get off that bus and get after it. So, uh, yeah, it is a little bit different. And then the next bus ride is different than that or the next plane trip and the next one and the next one. This is the best time of year. This past week, and you guys won another Sunbelt Conference Series, I believe your eighth of the season. Um, 
you know, some some timely hitting for sure. You had a couple of big innings, and I'll get into uh, you know what the the seniors and 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 everything else that happened on Saturday. But outside of the festivities of the final regular season game and the final home game, what stood out to you most on the diamond this week? What were you most pleased with? Well, but you know, like you started with, uh, all seven seniors had a chance to contribute and did. And uh, they all made positive impact, and that kind of sums up all their careers here. And uh, they're they're not your, uh, you know, they're all vital contributors to this program and this team, and uh, they proved that again this weekend. And you know, every all seven of them. And I thought it was a great celebration of them, and uh, you know, it was a it was a great way to go out. It's not by any stretch where we want to be we should be playing for a championship on the last weekend or the weekend before and uh so that's don't don't confuse with uh, a good weekend with where the standard is uh because you know that's that's a situation that we're very well uh should have found ourselves in is is playing for a title but uh we didn't and uh made the most of that weekend and uh, now we get that opportunity again this week. It's it's one or uh, you know it's going to be some anxious moments, and so uh, we got to go over there to Montgomery and play our best baseball. How, how how different is your coaching approach when you get to tournament play? And right, I know it's double elimination, but you're you're trying to win the whole thing, right? You're trying to survive each day, but you're trying to win the whole thing. How different do in-game decisions get? in a conference tournament as opposed to, say, just a normal weekend series? Well, I mean, for obvious reasons. So win a tournament, so, I mean, you got to do whatever it takes to get game one. Uh, if you if you don't, does that mean it's over? No, not at all. But you just made that, that mountain a lot steeper. Uh, so you got to go all in game game one. Game two is the money game, and you got to play your absolute best in game two. And then somebody's got to get you twice. And uh, you know, it's a it's a uh, that's been a formula for us. That you know, I think as we were talking this morning, been like seven straight championship games, and at one point, and we've won I don't know seven or eight of these things, and it's uh, it's been a good formula for us. Now anything can happen. And teams are going to get hot. Teams are going to go cold. You're going to see a team that's played great go cold, and a team that's been grinding uh, catch fire. Now, does that mean they're going to win or lose it? You know, nobody knows at this juncture. South Alabama, you guys played them back at the end of March two months ago. A uh, very competitive three-game series. You won it. Um, <clears throat> how much do you take away from that series, being that it was two months ago and um, you know, it's it, on one hand, you know, you're not a one or two seed, but on the other, you already know who you're playing. So you have a little, I guess, extra time to prepare for a specific opponent. Uh, what are your thoughts on South Alabama as a, as a first game matchup of the tourney? Probably our, I think both coaches would say this probably, uh, I'm looking for the right word probably the toughest matchup for both programs uh, just because we butted heads so hard the first time we played. Uh, a lot of grit on both coaching staffs, a lot, a lot of grit on uh, with the personnel on both teams. A lot of respect there. And uh, 
we pitched them tough. They pitched us extremely tough, and it was just kind of a grudge match. And so I think if you say who's most similar, probably is is probably us two. And so it's a huge game. Which whoever wins that one's gonna have a ton of momentum for obvious reasons, right? Uh, but that one will come down to the wire. Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like uh, welcome to tournament play right out the gate. You're playing South Al. Uh, do you do you like knowing your opponent or or? You know, is like what, what's what's the preference? Knowing your opponent for several days, or knowing your opponent, you know, the night before. Well, it depends on how you're playing, right? And you know, you you made a statement. Welcome to the tournament. You're playing South Out. Well, if we didn't want to play South Out, we could have handled business a little bit better. You know what I mean? Sure. And and you could catch one of these teams that's going to have to throw their number one. Uh, but that's not the case, and that's why we get a South Owl or, a, you know, whoever it might be. Uh, but being inside that top six is very, very important. Uh, you know, well, ask me that question again, Scott. What, uh, what yeah, was your uh, like? So, so I mean, if, if you, as, as a coach, let's say, let's say in a vacuum, right, you're going to learn your opponent, you know, the night before, or you know your opponent for several days beforehand. Which yeah, is, which yeah, is preferred? It depends on how you're playing, man. Uh, yeah. So, if you're if you're rolling, less is more. Uh, don't don't try to stand in the way of that, yeah. and just stay in your routine. Sometimes, if you're uh, grinding your gears a little bit. You, you need to look for an edge or an advantage and really practice and turn that into confidence when you see it on the field. You, you see what I'm saying? Sure. And, uh, you know, I've been a part, like, oh, for the 2014 group, we didn't watch film one time. And, you know, that group was the, the nastiest group of hitters in the country and never seen a video. Uh, we just went and played. Uh this group here, we've done a little bit more of, uh, you know, just because of the experience level of, uh, you know, looking for some familiarity, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, you know, it's, it's helped us. But then you can bog yourself down with that, too. That's why I say, man, it depends on how you're playing. Because, look, if you're rolling that pole, you, you can roll out of bed and hit. I don't care who you're facing. If uh, you're grinding those gears a little bit, you're going to have to definitively have, have you a little bit of an edge and then get going, gain some confidence, and go from there. That's a super question. We've rolled into tournaments, not said a word, and won it, and we've rolled into tournaments as prepared as you can get. And, uh, you know, it hasn't gone our way and, and rolled into tournaments, you know, clicking on all cylinders and, and walked right through it. It just, it's so funny this time of year, man. It's like that Fresno State team in 2008. Last team in their tournament, national champions. Uh, it just, who's going to catch fire? One of the great, uh, it, it's weird because on one hand, it's one of the great, quote, upsets, right? They were such an underdog. It was so unexpected. But in baseball, it's not like it's a single game. They had to win a whole lot to get to that point. But no, I'll never forget that team. It was, it was so unexpected. They're the only team to win it and have 30 losses, man. Uh, but 
that, what they never say, right, is the talent was there, right? There was a couple of big leaguers on that team, and uh, they had just – you know, they had just had to grind all year and scuffled for one reason or another. There was an injury or two, and uh, but there was some talent, and and I'm not going to compare us to them, but there's there are some similarities. Yeah, you, you guys, you've talked about the talent offensively. I mean, you collected what 17 hits on Saturday. You told me a few weeks ago you feel like the team that wins the tournament is the team that's going to be the best offensively. Now, a lot of coaches not. Now, in saying that, to be clear, everybody, coach isn't saying, you know, pitching is whatever. I mean, that's not what you're saying. But I feel like a lot of coaches, they would say, well, the team that has the most pitching. Why was your first inclination when you talked to me about it to go to the the hitting side of it first? Because this time of year, Scotty, everybody has seen everybody. And it's the group of hitters that can adjust. And it's hot. You know, we spend the a bulk of our year, especially teams north of us, and and a lot of inclement weather and situations not conducive to hitting, i.e. the Round Rock Tournament. Sure. Uh, so when it starts to heat up and hitters start to get 200 at-bats under their belt, it doesn't matter who they're facing. And, uh, you know, the team, just go back and look. I mean, there's going to, you have to hit to win this time of year. Now, that don't discount the pitching. You still got to be able to go out and pitch and defend, but you're going to have to be able to score. And yeah, we're racking up hits and this and that. We're starting to come into our own, but we are stranding a ton of runners right now, which is scary. And uh, that's got to stop starting Wednesday. Jonathan Brandon, Jacob Schultz, Connor Kimple, Brandon Talley, Austin Perrin, Jeff Wilson, Austin Garrett, your seniors, they all were a part of the weekend. Um, I know they were honored what do you guys need to do to, to you know, make sure that this week isn't isn't the last week of college baseball games for these guys? What is the key in your mind, Coach, outside of hitting, but specifically for this group, for you guys, what is the key for the Raging Cajuns to win this thing? Well, uh, you know, I don't think you approach it that way. And uh, that's very common nowadays. And we actually had this talk on senior day. Our seniors have done a great job of making it about their teammates. And that's the way leadership should be. And you serve and you help and you mentor. And it's never about yourself. And uh, that's just a, a something about these guys that if, if you're on the inside, you know. If you're not, you know, you, you think senior, senior, senior. But uh, it's not. It's never about any one person or any uh any one group it's about a team and uh there is some uh you know a bunch of lifelong relationships and bonds that have been forged here that'll never be broken and uh you know my goal always is to go to that tournament and be the last team in the hotel you're staying at and uh you know that's that's pretty fun when you see that happen this group uh has provided leadership they've served they've helped they're going to be smashing successes when they leave here. And I believe it's because they've done it the right way. You talk about when they leave here. Uh, briefly, Jonathan Lucroy, I mean, he's <laughs> a dozen years uh, later. I mean, the guy plays over a decade in Major League Baseball. He's an all-star. He plays for Team USA. Uh, to come back, get his degree, and, and be honored on Saturday. I know it was, it was a small part of the festivities, but um, just briefly speak on him, and then we'll let you run, Coach. Well, you saw, you know, and he didn't tell me this, but 
I'm just going to make this assessment. He got that degree for Coach Rowe, and you heard what Coach meant to him and his family and his career. And uh, that, all right, so first of all, Luke, is a, he's a pro's pro. You can see it. Some people just have it when they walk in the room and go, that guy's somebody. And he's got that. And he's got talent, he's got passion, and he's got professionalism, which that's that's those are the three things you got to have. And, uh, you know, it, it just it oozes out of him. He's an inspiration to our team. And the remarks that he made about Coach, uh, you can see why he got his degree and uh, why he cares about this program so passionately. Coach Matt Deggs has been our guest. Coach, uh, I hope it is a long week in Montgomery, and uh, I hope to be chatting with you on Memorial Day after a selection show, uh, maybe out at, at Russo Park. But I know there's a lot of goals between now and then and a lot of games between now and then. But in the meantime, I appreciate you joining me every week this season on Mondays, man. It's been great. And look forward to reading your book this summer. And um, But but I, I know we're going to talk baseball between now and then in the meantime. Yeah, let's keep this thing rolling, man. Uh, you do a tremendous job. You tee it up. I get to swing at it. And uh, you're a true pro, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Coach. All the best. All right, thanks, That's Coach Matt Diggs. Raise your Cajun baseball team departing for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship later today. They got practice coming up, and uh, you heard them out there. We'll see CCR in the background, but they got practice coming up at 9. He's prepping for that, so didn't chat with them maybe as long as I normally do. But uh, appreciate him coming on. We'll take a timeout, come back, and also talk Justin Thomas, NBA playoffs, and more. All coming your way. Don't go anywhere. TSP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back. Into the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Appreciate Coach Dex coming on. I'm going to... I'm going to be out some days later this week. Lynn will be filling in. But we're going to have some things uh, lined up for you. I will be on tomorrow. But some things lined up for you in terms of some coverage and other stuff. 
on this show uh, regarding the Sunbelt Tournament and Rage of Cajun Baseball. We're working on that. Brad Topham, Jay Walker have the call all week. It'll be on News Talk 96.5 KPL. In the meantime, at night on our airwaves, you can hear the NBA Conference Finals. Hopefully you get a good game because these Conference Finals have been, uh, you know, a snore fest. Honestly. Just a bore. The... You know, the Heat-Celtic series, oddly enough, I think will go seven games. And I'll I'll give you this. There was a very brief moment Saturday evening where you were like, man, Jimmy Butler's out. Celtics are starting to come back. It's a game. It's in Boston. Maybe this turns into something. And then Max Strauss just shut the door on that. Bam Adebayo had 31 points. And, you know, none of the games have been all that great. There have been more double-digit games in this postseason. There have single-digit games. The great thing about the playoffs, usually in every sport, honestly, is the first round of games. Now, they're not the most memorable games. They're not the ones that will live on and have a lifespan that may last forever in a sport, or at least in our lives where you're still talking about it. The, 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 the crucial moments in the big games, whether it be in a conference final or in a conference championship or an NAL or ALDS, excuse me, an NL or ALCS, or of course in a finals or a Stanley Cup finals, an NBA finals, a World Series, a Super Bowl, whatever, those are the ones, when those games are close, I give it to you because the, you, the drama is high. In the Final Four, I'll give it to you. The drama is so high you can't top it. A national championship game in college, the College World Series, whatever it might be. But more times than not, the most fun the playoffs are are in the opening rounds. We say it all the time with March Madness. Oh man, Thursday and Friday is bet two best two two of the best days of the whole sports year. And now in the NFL, you have what? A triple header, a double header, and a Monday night game? You have so much football that opening weekend, and the odds that they're all gonna be stinkers are low. I mean, your margin for error for bad football games. Or rather, your margin for error for any kind of football game is wide. Between good and bad, you're going to get some good there. You're going to get some memorable finishes. You're going to get some drama. You might get some stinkers in there. And that's the same thing in the NBA playoffs. There are enough games, enough trauma, enough series that go several games in where the animosity gets high and it's fun. And then you get a little deeper... And then you get to this point in the, you know, you get to a conference championship weekend in the NFL. And if the games are great or if one of them is great, they'll, they can live on forever. And if they're not, you forget about them. Boom, they're done. And then you just hope and pray that the Super Bowl's good. Here we are in the conference finals. We have one basketball game per night. And yes, Andrew Wiggins' violent dunk where he posterized Luka was, I mean, that, that thing was criminal. It was so badass. I can't even lie. And yet, they call an offensive foul. It was stupid. But, like, that's what you're talking about. And I get it. A dunk that didn't count. I get it because the series is 3-0. It's over. And let's be real. 
The Mavs are just, they're not cut out for it. The Warriors look like Thanos. The full-strength Warriors, when you're playing a team that's got one superstar, they're going to beat you. Golden State's looking awfully good at minus 135 to win the championship, guys. Just saying. Somebody put something stupid on Twitter. I mean, rinse and repeat. That happens every second of every day. But I saw someone say, hey, you remember the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead? Here we go. They could blow 3-0. Sure. Right. Not against this team. And not this Warriors team. Remember when they just got trounced by Memphis? Didn't take it serious. Didn't close them out. Said how they respond next is going to tell you what you need to know about the Warriors. And how they respond, they handled their business. They won. They advanced. And now they're just destroying the Mavericks. The poor Mavs. You know, it's, 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 it's one thing to have a team like the Blazers several years ago that got to the conference finals and then got swept by the Warriors and had an owner that was like, well, hey, we made it this far. We should be okay. No. The Mavs aren't going to do that. They're going to get swept. And Mark Cuban's going to now use this as a platform to do everything he can to add elite talent to Luka. He's going to say, look how far we got. We had a few more pieces. We're there. Because the reality is Dallas has not been the destination for free agents lately. They have not been able to coax guys to come over and sign with them. They have not been able to swing for the big trade. Cuban's going to be doing all of that in the offseason. And that's when you know you're down 3-0 in the playoffs, when it's talk about the offseason as opposed to the games. Maybe we'll get a good one tonight. Maybe Heat, Celtics, if, if, if this series is going to go seven, I mean, some of the games have to be good, right? Some of them have to be good. Oh, it was 109-103. If you watch the game, you know what I'm saying. It was lousy. And before that game, the Celtics won by 25. And before that game, the Heat won by 11. I mean, the Bucks celtics had a great game five. Outside of that, a great game five, great game three. The rest of the series was garbage. Early on, man. The build-up to the championship sometimes is a letdown in sports. Give us memorable games. That's all I want. That's all I want. Lakers fans are saying, give us memorable names. Well, apparently Darvin Ham, Kenny Atkinson, and Terry Stotts are the final candidates for the next Lakers job. How's that going to go over this time? I think we all know how that's going to end for them. Quarter to nine, this is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The Cajun Heartland State Fair is coming back this year, everybody. Get excited. It's the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Now, when I was a kid, you just start hearing that little jingle on the radio, and you knew summer is here. I miss summertime as a kid. Nothing like that, that nothing like that last day of school, that feeling. Shout out to all the teachers out there and principals and everybody who works in academia. You guys deserve more than you get, but you do get summer, most of you. And that's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. 
Be careful out there on the road, everybody. Traffic update for you. We got a vehicle accident on the corner of Pinhook and Bendel. And a accident on the corner of uh, Northwest Evangeline Three Way. And well, it doesn't even specifically it's two it's uh two hundred the block of twenty two hundred Northwest Evangeline Three Way. Accident there reported just a couple of minutes ago. We had an accident, shoot, 30 minutes ago, Johnson Street and Cajun on Boulevard. Be safe out there. A lot of accidents on the road. Everybody be careful. Your weather forecast today, cloudy, showers, sunshine later in the day. High of 88. It was nice and cool this morning. Enjoying that. Get to Montgomery. Weather's expected to be hot for the baseball team. Something that Coach Deggs referenced, said this is going to be it. You know, been in these conditions for a while. That's why it comes down to hitting, how you deal with the elements. Never Make, make sure you're never out of it. Justin Thomas. Kevin Van Valkenburg. Golf writer, senior writer for ESPN, has a story up today that says if there were any questions about Justin Thomas, he answered them on Sunday at the PGA Championship. Which is interesting because apparently old Van Valkenburg earlier in the day, or rather the day before, wrote an article Saturday about how Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy can just never get back. They're not cold-blooded enough. They're not like their mentor, Tiger Woods. They don't have that it factor. They don't have that killer instinct. They're always missing opportunities. He published that one day too early. I mean, five years between majors, the guy starts Sunday, and he is seven strokes behind at a major. And he wins it all. He is no longer Tommy Two-Tone. He is not a one-hit wonder. He's got multiple major championships. And to do it, to come back from seven behind, somebody's always got to choke. Every great comeback in sports has someone on the other side that is opening the door for that comeback. And by saying that, it takes nothing away at all from what Justin Thomas did. It doesn't. Every great comeback, look at all of them. The team on the other side of it, the athlete on the other side of it, they had to have, you know, granted there are different levels of choking. There is a, excuse me, And then there's the, I need the Heimlich maneuver because I'm about to die here. And then there's everything in between. And yesterday, it was pretty much Heimlich maneuver for Mito Pereira on the 18th hole. I'm rooting for him because I want a three-man, three-hole playoff. And he walks up there and he starts swinging that club like he's Jay Walker. No offense, Jay. Heck, he starts swinging that club like I swinged a bat trying to hit off of Jordan Wallace years ago. It was like Jay's senior picture. Ugly. 
it, 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 to say that the pressure wasn't all on him, that 18th hole collapse, when you spend all day with a lead or at least tied, and then you've got a lead heading into the 18th hole, and you've got friends and family, and they're hanging out, all hanging out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on this golf course, they're not drunk, but all the Tulsans, most of them are drinking their $18 Michelob Ultras. Got one guy yelling at him, get the driver, get the driver. It was kind of funny how you could just hear the fans so clearly. Then some lady, no, don't do that, Mito. I'm sure that's the stuff you wanted to hear, just fans screaming random things at him. 27 years old, man. And... He finds the water, and just like that, it's gone. 24 hours before that, or less than 24 hours before that, he walked up to the 18th on Saturday and absolutely handled it. Just handled it. Walked right up to it. And got it in the hole in three strokes. Then he comes up to it after he made a double, five bogeys and two birdies. Birdied the 18th the day before. Gets a putt to drop on the 17th. But couldn't quite do it. Hit a huge drive on 17. And that putt was just one roll away. And then he gets to the 18 and... I mean, the guy earned a promotion last year for winning a few times on the Corn Ferry Tour. And that's corn spelled with a K, which just, I don't know why they do that. All it makes me think about is the band Corn. I love the Ben Folds 5 song, by the way, the Ben Folds song, Rockin' the Suburbs, which is a complete blast of corn. I'm getting off track here. It was a complete meltdown. Jean Van Del, uh, Jean Vendeveld, Jean Vendeveld. Sometimes I have to say things in an accent to pronounce it right. I apologize. Jean Vendeveld, when he went on the 18th in 1999 and hit like a triple bogey seven and then lost in a playoff, that's probably the worst 18th ever at the PGA Championship. But Pereira ain't far behind. And on one hand, well, you still won $800,000. Yeah, but you lost $1.3 million. And a chance at entering that inner circle in the sport of golf. When you get inside the circle, you are viewed different. Among your contemporaries, you can win all the weekend tour events you want. If you do not win a major, you are not inside of that circle. Now, there are tiers inside of that circle, and Justin Thomas went from one to another. He wasn't a one-hit wonder anymore. He's now got multiple with that incredible comeback he had and beat Will Zalatoris in the playoffs. And what about Zalatoris, man? You just don't know. When you get that close, you have to get it done. Tomorrow on the show, Jay Walker will not be on. He will be in Montgomery working on a couple of guests. We'll hit on tonight's NBA playoff game. 
We'll take a look more at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, the SEC Baseball Tournament as well. Appreciate Coach Jerry Glasgow for coming on this morning. Big thanks to Matt Deggs as well. Coach Matt Deggs. Coach Matthew Allen Deggs. You know, I have a relationship with these guys, and sometimes I, I forget to say coach in front of their name. And Some of the uh, listeners, some of the older listeners, some of the boomers are like, have some respect, Scott. I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy 70th. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show's next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.